Oh my God! I'm just as hype man. In your face section with Pete Cabrera Jr. Oh Jesus, baby! Yeah. Hey guys, my name is Pete Cabrera Jr. with Royal Family International University and School of Identity and Lifestyle. And you are listening to the All Jesus Podcast. This is the master class and we're teaching the full guide to divine healing and training in the spirit. Today we're going to be talking about what is this failure that we run into in the kingdom of God because we're seated in victory. So is it actually failure? Do you get to fail in the kingdom of God or do you just get to take the test over and over and over again until you get it right? So you know what? Let's get it right. What's about that? <laughs> Sweet Jesus, my God. Everybody always tells me, don't forget to hit record no matter how many times I say, I ain't going to forget. For some reason, I end up forgetting. But you know what? It's okay because it's sitting right here. I'm looking right at it and we're going to have at it. So guys, today I'm going to be talking about some stuff. And, and you know, today I'm going to be shooting from the heart, right? The Bible says that we obey from the heart. You know, I had this conversation the other day with a brother in Christ, you know, because I'm a stickler of the word. I love reading the word of God. I love getting in my Bible. I like to just get intimate with the word. And, and people tell me, you know, the word, you know, those words written on, on, on that Bible aren't actually Jesus. And I say, look, man, regardless of what you say, regardless of what you think, I love reading the word of God. And if you think that I know that if I don't, I don't know the difference between what's written and who he is like, come on, man, let's get real. Like I know the difference between a relationship with what I'm reading and a relationship with the person. Right. And so I have a relationship with Jesus. And, and when I read my Bible, it's just so, so, so I can be more intimate and, and, and understand more of who God is for me. Because Jesus even said that you search the scriptures thinking that in them you have eternal life, but they all talk about me. So when I read my Bible, when I read the scriptures, I understand that it's God's breath. It's his words. It's, it's, it's his divine word being used through other people who've experienced who God is. And I understand the difference between scripture and what we would call a testament. Now, if you want to go old school and what the Bible says, we know that the Torah is what we would call scripture and the Old Testament is what we would call scripture. And the New Testament would be a testament, which means it's, it's people's experiences with the Christ. And so some people say, what's well, all scripture? Well, you know, we can say that. But regardless of what you call it or what you want to say, let's just remember that everything that was given to us in the Bible was given to us for a reason and a purpose so we could understand who the Christ is in us. So let's not confuse that, okay? So when I'm reading my Bible and I'm in my word, right, I, I just love the word of God. I love what people went through. I'm trying to find out who God is for me through other people's experiences of who the Christ is for them. And that's why I read my Bible. And so, yes, I do believe that we should read the word. I do believe what Jesus said, that if you're my disciples, you'll continue in my word. I do believe that what the Bible talks about in 1 Timothy and also in 2 Timothy when he's talking about to show yourself approved so we could rightly divide the word of truth. So there's a lot going on, right? We have to show ourselves approved, which means that we actually have to show people that we know what we're talking about, okay? We're not just people coming on here and just deciding that, hey, today I'm just going to think about, you know, I want to talk about what I'm thinking and you know the difference between what people think and what the word says. So today... Today, I'm going to be talking about some stuff that happened to me, okay, and how I, I grew in certain areas because when I came in into laying hands on the sick, people, a lot of people don't know this, but I messed my back up really bad. I was in pain, constant pain for a long time, and I was going to get back surgery. It was that bad. Now, I was a Southern Baptist youth pastor at the time. And I don't know, you know, and I'm not knocking denominations and I'm not knocking what certain people believe, but 
with the understanding that I was being taught through this organization, and now, now mind you, when I say this, I'm not attacking a denomination. I'm not attacking anyone. I'm just saying that's where I was at, okay? So when I was a part of this, I was a youth pastor there, and I was taught, and, and this was, you know, it was, it was something that was taught within the circle that I was with, that, that God's sovereignty, that he healed who he wanted to heal, you know, and he saved who he wanted to save. And so it was basically we were at the mercy of what God wanted to do. And, you know, I believe that. I believe that, hey, you know, I'm just going to cry out to God. And now, now hear me out. I was in pain. I do not believe that God gives you pain. I don't believe he's putting you through a test. I believe we're going to have trials. I do believe we're going to have uh, tribulations and we're going to have certain things. I do believe that suffering is going to happen. Not that God wants us to suffer, but because we're going to suffer because that's just the way the world is. The world is very hateful. The world is very mean. Um, a lot of people do not want to accept the Christ. And so their first response is to get upset. Their first response is to get defensive. And so we understand this. And Jesus understood this probably better than anybody else because he took the bulk of it all to the cross and so he even said god forgive them father forgive them for they know not what they do so he took the bulk of it and scripture also says that he learned obedience through suffering which means that you learn who you are in the midst of that suffering jesus didn't come to save you from suffering he came to teach you how to suffer and suffer admirably not that he wants you to but because you're going to you're gonna learn who you are. You're going to learn how to lay hands on the sick. You're going to learn how to prophesy. You're going to practice, right? And that, uh, it talks about that in Philippians uh, 4 9. Um, I think it's Philippians 4 9. It talks about that. It says that uh, we're to keep into practice, right? What you've been taught and what you've been shown. So we are to practice this. It also says that strong meat are those who, through discernment of use, know the difference between good and evil so we have to practice and it's in the midst of practicing that we learn it's in the midst of falling on our faces that the righteous man gets up it's in the midst of all this stuff like it's a process that we're all learning to walk out and i know there's a fine line because uh, galatians 2 20 talks about it's no longer i who live but the christ who lives in me so where's this fine line and we understand that the realness is in christ but there's something that we're contesting with it's carnality it's the world it's flesh it's bitterness. It's all the things that are conceived within what we would call the natural realm. Okay. And so we're going to struggle with this stuff. For me to tell you that you're not going to have a struggle, for me to tell you that you're not going to get sad at some point, for me to tell you that you're not going to lose a loved one, for me to say that you're not going to experience tragedy or trauma would just be crazy for me to tell you that. Now, for me to tell you that you're being delivered from these things would be crazy as well. Because if you see the life of Jesus, Jesus is in the garden. He's shaking from fear. He's, he's crying and sweating blood, right? He's had emotions. He didn't escape the terror of the cross. He endured it, which means he pushed through. He wasn't in the, in the garden dancing and singing and talking about the joy of the Lord is my strength. He wasn't like, you know, going off, drunk in the spirit, avoiding what was going to happen. He faced it. He faced the fear. He faced the cross, and he's teaching us how to face these things. He's teaching us how to face failure the right way, what we would call failure, because what we see is Jesus on the cross, and those say that he failed because he died on the cross. But it looked like failure, but truly it is victory for those who understand the mystery of the cross and the mystery of the Christ. And so even though it looks like failure, it's really not, okay? And so when I started laying hands on the sick, 
you know, I used to listen to the DHT, Curry Blake, uh, Todd White, uh, Dan Muller. I used to listen to all these guys. I mean, they, they do amazing work. I always tell people, you got to honor the men of God before you, you know, um, I don't usually give shouts out to men of God, but when they're doing the work and people are being set free and people are being delivered and people are being healed and they've laid down a foundation that I've walked on, I'm going to honor that. I'm going to honor these men of God that have done the work, who've, who've sat there at night and did the study, who've gone through the struggles and the backlashes and, and the attacks on YouTube and the and, and the you know, people outside of their churches, picketing them, calling them heretics and doing all these things because they do not agree with what it is that they're doing. But yet they stood there and they fought the good fight of faith and they kept going. And other men of God who have failed and fallen on their faces, who have done things that they shouldn't have done and yet found the strength in their Christ to stand up and face this gospel and face the world and preach the gospel of God. And so guys, when I say this stuff, just know I'm not endorsing. I'm just giving honor where honors due. And so I was listening to the DHT for years. I was cleaning the church. I was listening to it over and over. I kept hearing about people being healed. Now, remember when you go to church, when you go to an actual church and you hear these things, right? You hear the pastor up there talking about, Hey, you know, I heard of a story of this and somebody, you know, saw that. And we, and so we go to church and we hear about these miracles that Christ does in Africa and he does in India and he does in these other countries in Mexico and we're sitting there as Christians and and we're like okay we, we're, we're taught to believe this stuff we're taught to believe that Jesus heals we're taught to believe that we're his disciples we're taught to believe that we can do the same and so we sit there and we listen to it day in and day out about this amazing power that's there for us and it feels almost as though it's being dangled in front of you as if, if, as if you're being teased by it, because here it is, this power that we're going to give you. Here it is, this, this Holy Spirit's going to teach you how to do this. And, and we're going to give you this Jesus. And, and the word of God says that you can do the things he did and things greater. And so we hear it every week, day in and day out, stories on top of stories, on top of stories, on top of stories. And the inside of you is yearning for that. It's yearning to go and see the same. It's yearning to go do the same. It's, it's a part inside of you. That is crying out for the very things that we hear every Sunday, but there's a misconnect because for some reason, the people that are sitting in the pews don't know how to cross that barrier, don't know how to move into it. You, we hear about it. We talk about it. Every Christian, you know, you know, they believe that God does miracles. They believe that God heals. They believe that God can do the impossible. But the question isn't, can God do it? The question is, will he do it? through me will he do it through someone who submitted to him and so we're taught this right so now as a southern baptist at the time we hear these you know these stories i'm reading my bible i'm reading about how jesus is going out laying hands on the sick people are being healed people be, like all this stuff's going on and you're playing the movie in your head and you're seeing it and you're like oh my gosh and you lay there at night and you pray to god oh god use me Oh God, I want to do these miracles. I want to set people free. I want to be used like that. And there's a, there's a genuine hunger for that. And for some reason, it's missing within the body of Christ. It's just so mind-boggling to me because you would think that this would be the place that you would be taught to walk out this Jesus. That this would be the place where you would learn to prophesy. That this would be the place that would teach you how to stand from that this would be the place that would teach you how to model 
this amazing Christ. And sometimes what ends up happening is you just learn to do ministry. You just learn to serve the church. Now, don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with serving, okay, because Jesus came to serve. But he didn't just come to serve in a natural way. He also served in a supernatural way. He healed the sick. He cleansed the lepers. He gave sight to the blind. He fed the hungry. He did all these things, and it was supernatural. So here I am, a Southern Baptist, teaching. You know, I was a youth pastor for almost five years, and I was teaching this stuff. But something happened to me where my back got hurt, and it was hurting bad. It was, it was so much pain. It was unbearable. I couldn't shower. I could. I had pain on both sides of my back. I fell down my stairs from the pain. I've laid there in the tub. I would cry, and I would have men of God that I was. I was in a circle around certain men of God, and I would ask them to pray for me, and they would lay their hands on my back. And this is what they would say, right? They would say, "Oh, oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, you know, we just pray right now that whatever it is that he needs to learn from this, that he learns it now." You know, and if it be your will that he be healed, heal him. And and if it's not your will, let your will be done. And and I would walk away like, man, is this the gospel? Is this my life? Is this is this the truth that I'm going to be preaching and teaching to the to the youth group? Is this what I'm going to be preaching about? That that if it is your will, like I thought we were supposed to know what the will of God is. And so I would leave more defeated. I would I wouldn't want them to pray for me because I felt more hurt in my spirit. I felt more hurt. You know, I was like, wow, like stand with me. I'm looking for some men of God. Now, Katie and I would travel looking for men of God who had the faith to lay hands on me. You don't know how many men of God I had lay on my lay hands on my back because I started listening to the DHT. I started listening, and that's the divine, uh, divine healing training, right? From from Curry Blake. Um and, and, you know, I listened to it. There was this one from uh, Duluth, Minnesota. It was a 10. It was about an, I don't know how long it was, but I would listen to it every day as my back was hurting and I was believing and I was staying, I was confirming. And so I started believing that I could be healed. I started looking for someone who could believe just with me enough that this thing could manifest in my back. And so I traveled and I looked and I searched and you know what? It's very interesting because that's still happening with men and women of God. They're looking and searching on the internet. They're looking and searching throughout circles for people who can lay hands on them because they can't find it in their local church. That's crazy to me. They can't find it in their local church. The same Holy Spirit that lives in me and lives in you and lives in the Christ is in the churches of America. And for some reason, we have to travel to receive the very thing that we receive by faith just when we give our lives to Jesus. Why is that? Because there's a disconnect. So as I was out there looking for someone to lay hands on me, there was one man of God in Wichita, Kansas, Pastor Wade Moore. I remember when I went to his church, he laid it. It was the most interesting thing that I had ever heard because I now remember I was listening to the DHC. I was listening to, to videos. I was, I was watching videos and audios. I was trying to get as much as I could because I needed to receive this Jesus in my back. I needed and, and Katie was pregnant at the time. Right. With Desney. And, and she was like, I don't know how you're going to do this. We got. And so I was I didn't even feel like a man. I couldn't do anything. 
I was just constantly angry and mad and upset and bitter. And I just felt like, like something was wrong, right? I know that there's nothing wrong with Jesus. It has to be me, right? So this guy, I was at this church. It's for a Christian faith center in Wichita, Kansas. He's still there to this day. He said, if anybody has any pain in their body, come up right now in the name of Jesus and you're going to be healed. And I was like, this arrogant man of God claims that anybody who has pain in their body, if they come up right now, they're going to be healed. Like, does this man not know I've been traveling to Texas? I've been traveling to Oklahoma. I've been traveling all over. And, and this man claims that all I got to do is go up there in the name of Jesus and I'm going to be healed. And I was taught that was arrogant. I was taught that that was commanding God. I was taught that we're commanding God and no one commands God and, and only Jesus heals and we're not Jesus and only he does it and he's sovereign and he chooses who's healed and who's not. And he's the one that chooses. And so I was taught that and that was rooted in there, way in there that I wasn't Jesus, which I'm not Jesus, but the Christ is in me. And I had this conversation with my niece the other day, she was in the kitchen. And now Desney, she's seen miracles. My daughter, she's seen miracles. She's been out there with me. She's traveled the world. She's been to Puerto Rico. She's been to Mexico. She's seen miracles. She's seen some amazing things growing up. So this is natural to her. The natural realm is the supernatural for her because she sees, because I'm her dad. And everywhere I go, whatever we do, she sees miracles and she's a part of them all the time. So it just, it just becomes this natural lifestyle. And so my niece, uh, she goes to another church. Right. And I have all respect for all churches. Right. What people teach at their churches, that's between them and God. Right. And so the conversation was, um, we don't heal. My daughter was told we don't heal. Jesus does. We're not Jesus. And God doesn't do miracles like that anymore. He did that in the past, but he doesn't do them anymore. And my daughter said, do you not know, like, what your uncle does, like, you know, he's been doing, like, you know, he travels the world, you know that he's been, and they're like, well, you know, they're not real type stuff, right? And so this is the conversation I'm having with my daughter, uh, my, my 14 year old daughter. And I asked my daughter, I said, do you really believe that God does miracles? And she's like, yeah, I've seen them myself. I've laid hands on people. I've, and so there's this, this disconnect, right? And so, I go up there and this guy lays his hand on my back and I'm instantly healed instantly, like instantly. And it was so mind boggling because I was searching this out for so long. I couldn't even believe it when it happened. I thought I was being punked. I thought it was going to leave. I thought I was like, this is, I'm, I'm mess. This is messing with my head. And so I'm laying there at the altar. Everybody leaves. I'm still there. I'm crying. I'm weeping because I'm, I'm healed. I don't, this is the first time I felt relief. In almost a year, I'm laying there and I'm like, I don't want to get up. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to get up because I, if I get up, I'm, the pain's going to return and it's just unbearable. And this is the only time I felt relief and I'm just going to sit and I'm crying and I'm weeping. My wife comes up to me and she says, okay, it's time to go. Everybody's gone. Yada, yada, yada. So I'm like, okay. So I get up and there's no pain there. Now, I don't say anything to my wife because I'm afraid I'm going to jinx it. So I'm like, you know, I'm not going to say anything. So we walk to the car. We get in. I sit down. And there's no pain there. And I'm thinking, my God. 
And I'm like, I kept saying to myself, let this be real, Lord. Let this be real. 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 And I just kept saying that to me. And my wife was talking to me and my mind was somewhere else because I was just focusing on just holding on to that no pain. <laughs> how do you hold on to the no pain? Like I learned how to hold on to the no pain. And I was holding on to it. And we went home. And that night when I went to sleep, I had terror. I felt terror because I didn't want to go to sleep because I, I, I said to myself, if I go to sleep and I wake up, this pain's going to be there in the morning. So I remember I didn't want to go to sleep. I just kept trying to hold on to the no pain. I just kept holding on to the no pain, like no pain, no pain, no pain. I realized what I was doing. I was being conscious of the Christ. I was trying to hold on to a feeling of no pain, but it's really the Christ I'm trying to hold on to, right? And I'm just holding on to, to Jesus. I'm like, don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. You know how crazy it is to tell Jesus not to leave when you're born again and you know he lives on the inside of you and you're afraid that he's gonna leave because he's gonna abandon you and there's gonna be pain in your back because this is what we tell people. We tell people that God will abandon them, that God will leave them, that God will forsake them. And so this was rooted in me. And so here I am battling going to sleep because I'm afraid that this pain's going to return. And so I, I, I wake up in the morning. I think I like two, three hours of sleep. I wake up in the morning. It's still gone. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. So another day, I waited three days, right? I waited three days, and then I told my wife that I was healed that day in Wichita, and she didn't believe me, so I picked her up and started jumping up and down with her, and she was afraid that I was hurt, and she's like, you seriously? Yeah, I said, yeah, I'm totally healed. So now I have a dilemma <laughs> because I'm a youth pastor at a Southern Baptist church. <laughs> now I was healed instantly by a man of God who's not a Southern Baptist who laid his hand on my back, who claimed he was going to heal me in the name of Jesus. And that claim actually happened. So at the meeting that I had with a pastor of mine, I told him what had happened and all of them were like, yeah, God does it. Yeah, I'm like, what? Wait a minute. So you're saying that God does it, but because it's that guy, it, it happened through him, but it wouldn't happen through you. And you know what they said to me? They said, that's because he has the gift of healing and we do not. And I was like, wait a minute. So you're saying that he had the gift of healing and because I went there and he had the gift of healing, I was instantly healed. But you, as a minister of God, now I'm thinking this, you as a minister of God do not have the gift of healing. So then the question that I was asking myself was, what is the gift of healing? Isn't healing a person? Isn't Jesus healer? Isn't he the one that heals all your iniquities and all your sicknesses? Isn't healing a person? So, what is this gift? So then here, here's Pete looking for the gift, right? I'm looking for it now because I want this gift. And so now my back was healed and I got this other struggle going on now because I'm a Southern Baptist, right? I'm, I'm at this church. I'm looking for the gift of healing and I don't know what it is. <laughs> I just know it's a gift, but then you hear preaching and teaching that it's a free gift. <laughs> it's that a, a, grace is a gift of God of not of yourself unless one should boast. So if I want this gift, how do I get it? And then, so then what ended up happening was Pete started going to other churches 
looking for something that I should already be getting in the church that I'm in, but because of a doctrine and a belief system, they weren't giving it to me. So I had to leave my church. Look, I was still a member. I didn't leave the church for say, like leave my position, leave as a youth pastor. Leave, and, and it went, no, no. What I had to do was I had to go to other churches to hear other parts of the ministry, other parts of the gospel, other parts of Jesus that I wasn't getting because there was a doctrinal issue, right? So I was over here at um, the AG church, Assemblies of God, because I, I was hearing about spirit-filled Christians and how they walk in power and they believe in gifts and praying in tongues. And so I'm like, okay, so I'm going to go over there. So I'll go over there and I start hearing this preaching and teaching about God heals, God does miracles. But then there was another dilemma because in that church, I didn't see anybody who was actually doing what it is that they were talking about. So at the other church, they wouldn't embrace it because, you know, because of doctrinal things. And they believe that you had to have the gift of healing. And they, they weren't pushing that or teaching, praying in tongues or being in the spirit or living in the spirit. They weren't teaching any of the spirit side of who you were as a Christian. And so now, <coughs> excuse me. So now as a Christian, I'm over here at the AG church and they're all talking about the other side, right? About, you know, being spirit filled, uh, uh, you know, visions, prophesying, praying. In and so they're talking all that other side. And so I'm like, okay, so now I'm in the middle and I'm like, okay. So what does it look like for someone to walk that out? Now, I hear the praying in tongues in the church. I hear the prophesying. I hear the stories of people being healed. I hear the stories of what's happening in other countries. I hear it. But where is it at? Because I don't see it. There was 500 and some members in that church. And out of all 500 that was being preached to every year, for 20, 30 years, the same message, I did not see what I would consider someone who was walking out that truth in a tangible way. So here I was looking. Okay. I'm looking for men of God who actually walk out the gospel that actually walk out what it is that Jesus said we could do. So I know I'm looking now. I was seeing this. I was seeing this holiness. I was seeing this reverence. I was seeing this stuff that anybody could do with self-help books. I know Buddhists that walk this way. Okay, I know um, the new age people who walk this way. I know hippies that walk this way. I know monks that walk this way. I know Buddhists. I know all kinds of different religious people who walk in this piety. So what's the difference between them and us as Christians if the walk looks the same, but there's no power? And I would ask myself that for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. So what does this power look like? So I'm looking for it. And I could only hear it in sermons, okay? I was only hearing it in, in testimonies from other people, not people that we knew, but, you know, like, so there was a story about there was a man of God that saw what another man of God had said about another man of God that something had happened. So it was a miracle that was handed down for 20 years about something that happened that was so big that it got handed down for 20 years about a little girl who didn't have any muscles in her legs and that somebody knew of someone who was there that saw what somebody else had did. And I was like, and I kept hearing this at church and I'm like, and, and I would have this thing inside of me. I would say, well, dang, don't, how come we don't have testimonies like that? Like, why aren't we hearing about men of God 
doing these things? Why do we have to hear these stories to encourage us about what happened 20 years ago when we have a whole room of 500 people who claim to be spirit-filled, who claim to have the Holy Ghost, who claim to walk in power, and yet we have no evidence, no evidence of all, no evidence at all of this gospel in our lives when it comes to the supernatural, right? So that was my dilemma. So I was searching. See, I wasn't like these other Christians who, who I just wanted to be saved and go to heaven. That wasn't my goal. My goal was I just received something that was supernatural, that I couldn't wrap my mind around, that floored me mentally, physically, and emotionally, and shook me to my core, and did something to me that I could never be the same. I had an encounter that healed my back, that sent tingling, tingling fire goosebumps up and down my spine. I felt bone shift. I felt things move. I felt something reach down inside of me and move some things and straighten me out in a way that I had never felt before that was outside of anything that I could ever imagine. And this came from a man who claimed that he could lay hands on whoever was sick and they would be healed and he would deliver what it was that he was saying in the name of Jesus. And it happened. That messed me up because I came out of a church where you prayed and you were afraid to ask, is the pain still there? I came from a church where we would pray for you, but we really didn't believe it would happen. But we kind of just did it because that's kind of what we do because we don't want to walk around like, you know, hey, I'm going to pray for you, but really I'm not. And I'm going to believe for you, but really I don't. And I know you're going to be healed, but really I don't think it's going to happen. And you know what? Like that's, like that's the reality of a Christian who does not understand who they are in the Christ. We speak out of two sides of our mouths. And so not that people are doing this intentionally. Okay. Now, now hear me out. This is why we need teachers. This is why we need discipleship. We need people to teach other people what it looks like and what it is they've gone through and the struggles and the hurts and the pains and the letdowns and the worry, all these things that happen to us. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have to have people modeling this out. And I'm going to tell you where it all changed for me. Okay, I'm going to show you. So here I was going to the AG church after my back was healed. Now, remember, this is very interesting to me because I just experienced what it is that we're talking about firsthand. I experienced the move of God in my life. I experienced his hand. I experienced the healing. I experienced a supernatural move of God in my life that came on not on my own accord, but by another man of God who put that on me, which is very interesting which proves that another man of God can put that on you, can actually put the king, like can actually show you the kingdom in a way that you never thought was possible. Like I was searching for a healing for almost a year and couldn't get it on my own. And a man of God released that thing on the inside of me. And I, I was like, man, if that isn't power coming straight from the throne of God, I don't know what is. But here's the thing. I try to wrap my mind around that. Like, how does one get that close to God that God will honor the man of God when he says something and it'll happen? This is what I was chasing. I wanted to have a relationship like that. 
And I got on my face and I got in my word. And I said, man, my wife would tell you, man, I'd be in my room for days and wouldn't come out. I would get on my face. I would pray. I would fast. I was chasing God, man, like there was nothing else. I was on fire. I was looking. I was like, no, man, something happened to me. Something happened. And people knew it. They knew it when they met me. They were like, bro, was like radical. <laughs> I'm like, you understand, man. I kiss the face of God, man. I'm, I can never be the same. You can't unsee. You can't unlearn. Like I was touched in a way that changed my life forever. So here I was at the AG church. And these are the things I was struggling with. And you know, it's funny because we always say we want revival in our churches. But did you know that revival will only come through the people you pastor? Revival will only come through the people you've trained. So what does revival look like to a bunch of Christians that aren't ready to carry what it is that they're asking for? What does that look like? What does that look like when you're crying out for fire and you don't know what it is? What does it look like when you're crying out for power and you don't know what it is? What does it look like when you're crying out for a move of God and you don't know what it is? What's going to happen to that person who's constantly crying out every Friday, every Saturday, every Sunday, every Monday, every day, crying out for God's presence to move, and we don't even know what that looks like? That's very interesting to me. So that was me. So here's what happened. So what happened was I had told uh, the other church, I'm like, look, I'm going to start going over here. You know, I wasn't a youth pastor there anymore. I'm like, this is, this is vital. I have, I have to find out what this is. So here I am. And I would go to church. And this was me. And you know what? I think about it now. Praise God, man. I was the guy that laid on the altar and would just cry during worship. That was me. I was... Because I came to the place where I was tired. I was tired of playing church. I was tired of the Bible studies. I was tired of putting all the knowledge in my head. I was tired of all the do's and don't. Like, I was tired, man. I'm like, man, it doesn't matter how much I learn. It doesn't matter how many Bible studies I do. It doesn't matter how much, you know, schools I go to. Like, man, I just felt like I was empty. Right. I knew all the right answers. I knew how to answer. I, man, I knew how to like fake the smile. I knew how to walk into church. I knew how to, I'm highly blessed. I knew how to, yeah, I'm favored. I, I knew all that. I knew all that. And I found out that I was growing into a relationship with ministry. And I never came to the feet of Jesus. That's a scary thing. I had never come to the feet of Jesus. I would I would cry out to God and I would beg and I, but it wasn't his feet, man. It wasn't Jesus that I was chasing. It was miracles. I was chasing. It was power that I was chasing. It was, it was this move that I was chasing. And I heard this song. I was shaving one morning and you know, I, man, I heard a sermon. I heard a sermon and I literally got up because I would sit, right behind the pastor and, and I got up during the sermon and I just walked out and started walking down the street and I said, I ain't never coming back. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of this back and forth. I'm so tired of this hypocrisy, this preaching this way and this way. Like, which one is it? It's like these sermons make no sense. I'm the guy that writes the sermons down and then I read them when I go home. I'm the guy that has stacks 
of sermons. I write down sermons because I like to read them. I like because I like to put together things. I like to to see what it is that's happening and 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 I try to get the con. So I write sermons down. And so that's me. I'm the guy that's sitting there writing the sermon down while you're preaching. And I would go and listen to the sermons and they would contradict each other. And I was like, what is going on? Not that they were doing it intentionally, but because I'm, I'm keeping a track because I'm trying to go somewhere. And one day I got really frustrated. And I got up and I just started walking down the street right in the middle of service. I just got up and just left. And I said, I'm not coming back. And right before I got to the stop sign, God said, go back, go back. And I'm like, I don't want to go back. I'm going in circles right here. I'm going in circles. And he's like, go back. So I went back and I sat down and I was the guy that when I would hear a sermon, I started having this grudge in my heart. In fact, I had to sit down with that pastor and ask him to forgive me because I told him, hey man, like I I, I need you to, to forgive me for something because I got something in my heart, man. Like I'm really getting bitter. Why? Because Man, there's some things that I'm looking at you the wrong way. Like you're preaching one way and I'm going home and I'm, I'm destroying your whole sermon <laughs> to my wife. So basically you're, you're preaching the word and I'm destroying it in the ears of my wife. I'm destroying it around. I'm being very judgmental because I have something in my heart because what I, what I, what I need, I'm not getting. And I don't mean to sound selfish about it, but there's more to life than just sermons. There has to be a life in Christ, and I don't know how to find it. I don't know how to find this life that you keep preaching about every Sunday. I keep hearing, just hang in there. I keep hearing, just receive. I keep hearing, it's going to be all right. I keep hearing, just have faith. I don't know how to have faith. I don't know how to receive. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. You're my pastor, you have to show me how to receive this stuff. You have to show me how to have faith. You have to show me like I'm not seeing it anywhere. And I had this conversation. And I had this conversation and I asked my pastor, this is when I was, before I moved to Hajj, I had this conversation with him. I said, I need you to be real with me. <sighs> I said, I need you to be real with me, man. Like, I need that. I come from a world where it is real. I wasn't raised in church, man. Okay? My life wasn't hallelujah pizza parties. Okay? I was on crack for 15 years. I was eating out of trash cans. I was hit with a belt my whole life. I thought I was mentally retarded. I couldn't read. I had issues. I didn't even graduate high school. I got bullied my whole life. I got beat up. I got ran through the gutter. I don't understand your language. I need you to be real with me. Okay? I don't need a sermon. I need a friend. And I need to know what it is that I'm missing because I'm not getting it. And he said, look, I'm your pastor. And I told him, I don't need you to be my pastor. I need you to be my friend because I've had pastors and I've gone to churches and I've been run through the ringer and I've had fallouts and I, but a friend will not ever leave a friend will be there. A friend will stick to you. And I need you to stick with me because I'm having issues. I felt like I was going crazy because I just received this miracle. I, I know it's real now. And so I'm, I'm sitting there and 
And I'm having this struggle. And you know what? There are a lot of Christians having this struggle right now. There are a lot of Christians who are getting frustrated. There are a lot of Christians who are falling apart mentally, physically, and emotionally, and they have the answer, but for some reason there's this disconnect. Something's keeping us from, from experiencing this beautiful thing in Christ, which is his kingdom. And, and we got to find out what it is because it's not him. He's not the issue. He's not the issue. The issue is something else, and we have to find out what it is and get to the root of it, right? So here I am. I'm about to go to church. And I'm the guy that's crying at night on my face. Like, why can't I get this? Because here's what I was doing. I was comparing myself to everyone in the church. And everyone in the church was putting on a smile. And everybody in the church was walking out piety and holiness and all these things. And, <clears throat> and that wasn't me. I wasn't raising that. Like, I didn't even, like, that was so alien to me. I just wanted to show up and be like, hey, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? How you doing? And then I want to be myself, man. I find out that you go to, to some places and you can't even be yourself <laughs> because you're going to be judged. And so I'm looking, and, and here I am thinking everybody else's life is perfect except for mine. Everybody else's marriage is good except for mine. Everybody's just having a great old time with Jesus except for me. Everybody's just having this amazing time in the kingdom of God. And I'm the only one who's kind of like on the outskirts losing my mind. and go to find out that everybody's in the same hole as P. Cabrera Jr. Because I started going to the Bible studies. And I started having real talks and found out, man, that we were all in the same hole. And I'm like, sweet Jesus, if you guys are feeling the way I'm feeling and you've been coming here for 20 years, oh, my God. <clears throat> my God. My God. I've only been coming for a year. Man, if you haven't found it in 20 years, if you haven't tapped into what it is I'm looking for, my God. So I, I, was, I was at home, man, and I was about to go to church. I'm just pissed because I'm like, God, I know you hear me. I know you're there. I know you love me. I know you're the God of the Bible. I know you healed me. I know you're here. I know you live in me, but what is going on? <laughs> what is going on? So I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm shaving, right? And I'm, 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 I'm just having this talk with God. And this song comes on. I was listening to Pandora. And this song comes on called Take Me to the King. And as I'm shaving, I'm listening to what she's saying. She says, take me to the king. She's all churched out. She said, just take me to Jesus. Take me to the throne. And leave me there alone. She don't want anything else. She just wants him. And I'm crying. And I'm listening to the song. And I'm like, Jesus, I only want you. That's all I want. And so that Sunday, I just decided. I went to the altar during worship. And this is a church of 500 people. I went laid right in the front. I laid flat on the floor. And just bawled like a baby. And you know what's crazy? 
Here's what's crazy about that. You know what exhausted me? The world didn't exhaust me. The Christians didn't exhaust me. The institutional church had me exhausted. Because I was, there were, <laughs> I gotta watch how I say this. I wasn't taught what being intimate with Christ was like. I was told what it was like. I was told what he would do. I was told the stories. I was, but I didn't have a really tight walk with someone who could show me what that looked like tangibly. Because people were afraid of me, man. Like, I can't hang around certain pastors because the way I look and the way I talk makes them feel very uncomfortable. And so I'm just going to be myself and I'm just going to be real with it. And I'm not going to put on this fake piety. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be myself and I'm going to tell you how I feel about it. And I'm going to do it the best I can. I'm going to try my best not to hurt your feelings. I'm going to be loving, caring, and kind. But no, I'm not going to be walking around putting something on because that's not, that's not me. I'm putting on the Christ. And there's a part of me that is learning. So a lot of men of God didn't want to deal with me. I was loud, I was obnoxious, but God, come on, man, I was a crack addict for 10 years. I wasn't taught how to be well-rounded. I wasn't taught how to carry myself. That's the job of the church. That's the job of the leaders. That's the job of the pastors. And sometimes we get offended by certain people and we push them away. We don't want to help them. and We don't want nothing. But the very thing that's causing you to have that feeling on the inside is challenging you to go beyond that, to push beyond those emotions and those feelings and to, to be called into a greater calling into Christ so we could be the hands and feet of Jesus, you know, besides the feelings and the emotions and all the things that are coming at you. Don't misunderstand me. We know they're real, but we got to push through that. And so a lot of people felt really uncomfortable around me. And I'm just like trying to find this stuff out. And so I'm sitting there crying. And every Sunday during worship, I would just cry. I would just lay there and cry and lay there and cry and lay there and cry. I had nothing. I remember telling God, I got nothing to give you, man. I got nothing. I'm tired. I got nothing. I ain't even got no praise left in me, man. I'm so tired. I'm just going to cry, man, until you show up. I got nothing else. Like, I got nothing. Like, I got, I'm, I'm, I'm empty here. And I just cried, man. I just cried. I just laid there on my face and cried. And you know what? I found Jesus laying on that altar, crying. And you know what? I, I still go to the altar. I still get on my face. But it's different now because I, I, I found the real Jesus, right? And so I went home, and we had the internet. And I remember I saw a guy, and it was Todd White. I saw him lay hands on someone. I actually saw it on video a guy who was kind of rough a guy with long you know dreads and i'm like man this doesn't look like benny hinn <laughs> this doesn't look like my pat this doesn't look like a guy on stage like this guy looks like an average guy this guy looks like a knucklehead so if god could use him then i know he'll use me and i saw this man laying hands on people and people were being healed and set free and and i was convinced at that point by watching someone else do it that we could do it as well and I remember writing down on a piece of paper what it is that he had said. He said, uh, be healed, all things new, right? He, he said that. So I wrote it down on a piece of paper, and I put it in my pocket. And the next day, I, I went to a shelter, and there was a guy there who had a shoulder issue. And 
I went up to him and I said, hey, come here real quick. If you got pain, you're going to be healed right now in the name of Jesus. I didn't even believe in myself. I just said it. And he came up to me and I remember I put my hand on his shoulder because he had issues with his shoulder and I got that piece of paper and I just read it verbatim. I should be healed. Make all things new in Jesus name. Pain go. And he raised his arm up and he freaked out. I freaked out. I couldn't even believe the guy. I didn't believe him. I thought he was lying to me, but he got instantly healed. And at that point, it was on, man. At that point, it was on. I started seeing miracles. I, man, I was so on fire, man. I was laying hands on everything and anything, anything. But then there's something that happened. And this is what I want to get to. I started this YouTube channel. I was in a soup kitchen. I used to lay hands on people. Um, I did a lot of traveling. I've seen miracles that man, I I can't even I can't even talk about because people wouldn't believe it. There's just things that you can't you can't unsee, right? And it builds you up as the man of God who's going to carry this into the next generation. So everything that I've seen and everything that I've witnessed and everything that I've gone through is not for me. It's for you. It's for those who listen, for those who are here. All that is for you to train you up in the ways of the Lord. It's not for me. I don't take this stuff to the grave. Okay, I'm supposed to give it to you to teach you. To, to, to edify you, to help you to grow into the deeper knowledge and revelations of, of, of who the Christ is for you so you can see greater things than what I've seen. You should be seeing more than what I should be seeing if I'm teaching you or, or, or taking you through a training. You shouldn't see more than me, right? There should be no jealousy there. There should be an a, a awesome type of excitement when someone goes beyond what you can do, right? Because that means that you fulfilled your purpose. You fulfilled your purpose, right? And so... I started seeing all these miracles. I started a church. Things were amazing. I mean, I was seeing so many things. Oh, my gosh. It was mind-boggling. The cool thing is that people got to see it with me. They got to see what was happening. So something happened along the way, and I wasn't taught this. I wasn't told this. I wish somebody would have told me this. It would have saved me a lot of heartache. So after I was begging and searching and looking and crying out for this amazing what we would call gift of healing, but I find out now it's just Jesus in you because Jesus has all the gifts. And if you can walk out the Christ, you can function in every gift. I don't teach people the gifts. I teach people the Christ. I don't want you to walk in gifts. I want you to walk in him because in him is fullness of joy. So if you're walking out gifts and you're not seeing certain things, you're not going to walk away happy. You're not going to walk away blessed. You're going to walk away mad and, and questioning. And I don't want that to happen, right? I want you to walk out in the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. If you can steal your joy, you can steal your strength. If you're putting all your ducks and, and all your eggs in one basket and you don't see none, you're going to walk away, you're going to be hurt, right? So in the midst of all this that was going on, in the highlight of me traveling, in the highlight of me walking out there and just doing all these healing, like I was doing so many um, healing services, so many, so many healing services, it was unreal, okay? I got... Hard drives filled with miracles that I haven't even put out. I've showed them to people like, this stuff is crazy. The stuff I got on here, right? They're like, why don't you, I'm going to put it out, but not yet, right? There's a training I'm putting out, putting them out. That's so many things that we saw. So many things. Have it all documented. <clears throat> so in the midst of all this, something happened. And this is where I, here's where I want you to really pay attention. In the highlight of walking, in the kingdom of God, in the highlight of seeing miracles, I've seen the dead raised. I've seen blind eyes open. 
I've seen teeth grow out. I've seen things that would make you go crazy if you didn't understand who the Christ was for you. Seen so many of these things. The crazy thing is in the midst of the highlight, in the midst of, of the high point of what I was doing, this lady came into the soup kitchen. This is when I was running a, a, a church. I was traveling. I was just, man, I was, this is going to happen to everybody. Prepare yourself. It's going to happen to you. It happens to everybody, but nobody talks about it. But I'm going to talk about it because I don't, I don't want you to fall into a pit, okay? I want you to get up, but it's going to happen to you. It happens to everybody. And if they knew this, they would understand what's happening. This lady came up to me in the soup kitchen. She had a headache. And she said, hey, uh, Pastor P, can you lay hands on my head? I have had this headache for three days. And, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, come on. So I put my hands on her head and I command the headache to leave. And I'm like, this is nothing, man. We just, like 10 minutes ago, we just watched the guy's neck straighten up. You know, he had some issues in his back. Bones started cracking. His neck straightened up. And he walked away like it was nothing. He had a major issue in his neck. His neck was like this. His, he had a rod. He straightened up. He walked. That was nothing, right? <sighs> I would have paid to see that back in the past. But now we're walking like, like it's nothing, right? And this lady comes in and she asks for us to pray for her head because she has this headache. And I'm like, that's nothing. Headache? Pfft, that's nothing. That was my attitude, right? And so I prayed for her head. And it wouldn't leave. It wouldn't go. So I kept praying and kept praying and kept praying and kept praying. And I thought, what happened? What happened? What happened? And I'm like, man, what's going on? So I would walk out of the room and I was like, all right, Lord, what is it? Show me something. What's going on? Like, this is the stuff I used to do, right? Like, okay, Lord, tell me what it is. I'd walk out of the room like, all right, give me a vision of what it is. So as if I'm moving something in the spirit or mentally or physically or emotionally, which is crazy when I think about it now, but that's the stuff I used to do. I used to walk out there like, I'm going to get this huge revelation. And then out of this revelation, I'm going to lay hands on them and then they're going to be healed. No, it's his faithfulness. <laughs> it's his faithfulness. Okay. You're faithful to him. He's faithful to you. He's going to show you who he is, right? And so it wouldn't leave. And so she left with a headache. And that messed me up because I'm like, wait a minute. What? So what happens right away? I'm like, okay, let me go pray for somebody else to make sure that it still works. This is the mindset. This is the carnal mind that's an enmity against God. It's not subject to the laws of God, neither can it be. It's going to tell you, oh, you better make sure it works as if it's a button or something. Jesus always works. He doesn't know how not to work, Right. So I'm sitting here thinking, okay, let me go lay hands on somebody else to make sure it still works. So I lay hands on someone, and guess what? Nothing happened. There was no manifestation. The pain was still there. And so now I start panicking, and I start listening to that. And so I go find somebody else and go find somebody. And I just kept going until I, I saw a miracle, and guess what? I didn't see anything. So now after work, I'm like, well, I'm going to go to Walmart, right? Because I had to settle this once and for all that, hey, God is still with me. This is just a glitch, right? So I go out there. All day I'm laying hands on people. Nothing. Nothing. I'm like, I'm freaking out. Like, what is going on? What just happened? As if, did, does this not work anymore? What's going on? And so throughout the week, I start praying for as many people as I can. Now, remember, I was the guy that was going around laying hands on people for two years and didn't see anything until I finally saw a manifestation. And then it just started like that. So two years of laying hands on people, didn't see anything. And then... I started seeing it, and then just started flowing, and it never stopped. And then this happens. So I fought so hard to believe in that. I fought so hard to attain that. I, I tried so hard to get it. Like, and now I'm not seeing anything. And so now we're almost a month in, and I haven't seen anything at all. 
And I remember asking myself, am I going to have to write a book or something? Because now I can't travel now. Like people, like now people have me come out and I'm do these healing services. I'm like, I'm supposed to like perform. Like this is the mindset of a man who lays hands on the sick. Guys, this is what people won't tell you. Anyone who goes to a healing service and you're a minister, you're under the pressure to perform whether you like it or not. Because you want people to know that God loves them and that he wants to heal people. And if he's using you as a minister and you feel like you cannot perform, you cannot bring the word, you cannot manifest what it manifests, what it is you're bringing, you feel like a fraud inside. And every minister I deal with struggles with this. They always feel like they're hiding something even though they're not, but that's the carnal mind. They always feel like they're a fraud, but they're not because that's the carnal mind. They always feel like something ain't right, like something's amiss, and it's not. It's the carnal mind. Like This is the thing that happens inside of a minister before he goes to minister. He doesn't feel worthy. He doesn't. All this stuff happens, and it proves that it's not you. It proves that it's God, okay? It's very vital that we understand these are normal feelings that we get. But we can't listen to them and we can't fall prey to them. We stand against them. We, we, we submit ourselves to God and we resist that, right? And so all this stuff's happening and I don't see anything. And so now I'm freaking out. I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to be traveling. I'm supposed to be laying hands on people. Like I'm not seeing anything. I have a church. Like man. And so what happens now is I start hiding from people that I used to chase. I start hiding from people that have the arm brace. I start hiding from people who have the leg braces. I start not chasing people. Like I'm starting to shriek back a little bit because it's making me feel inferior. It's making me feel like I'm not the man of God anymore. Like I'm like, why am I even trying if it's not, God's not honoring me. So now I'm like, is he not honoring me? Is he, is he not standing behind me? That did it something that I do that did something that I've done? Like, what is Is he not pleased? Like, this is the stuff that's going to happen to you. Is he not pleased with me? Did I mess up? Did I do something? Oh, and if you get around some people, man, that are super judgmental and have the dark and die and believe in curses and all that, oh, you in trouble for real. You'll be going through your house throwing out books. You'll be through your house throwing out all kinds of stuff. You'll be moving out trinkets and all kinds of stuff. You'll be thinking that there's something that's hindering the power of God in your life, and there's no such thing as something hindering the power of God. The only thing that hinders the power of God is you believing that something can hinder the power of God. You have to honor God in that. God will always move on his behalf. God will always honor his word even if you don't. So there's something happening, right? And I tell people, look, you cannot come to the point where you think that you are keeping God from being God, okay? That's not what this is about. God is always training you and teaching you and bringing you into a season. We, we forget that. We have seasons, okay? We have seasons. Read your Bibles. So I was in the season. I was in the season where I wasn't seeing anything. But I thought it wasn't a season. I thought that was it. I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to lay hands on anymore. I'm just, it was a season. It came and gone. It's over with. And I believe that. And I had a woman of God tell me, did did you do something because as God left you? Because I noticed you don't lay hands on. I noticed you haven't been doing any miracles. Like, did God leave you? Has he, has he left you? And here I am believing it. Like, oh, man, he left me. Because I, oh, snap. It must be so. And so here I am going to a church over here. And this is crazy. I went to a service where there was a healing minister who went there who was functioning in the very thing that I was doing already. But I had to go there because I felt like something was missing. And maybe he could give me the answer. Maybe he could kickstart me again. <laughs> oh, my God. 
So I'm talking to this person in the back, and I start telling them, hey, you know, there's something going on. And, and, and so I didn't know. Because remember, I wasn't being trained. I wasn't being mentored. No one was around me telling me this stuff. Like, I didn't have people around me coaching me. So I'm like, I'm like kind of just floating around trying to figure it out, and I'm losing my mind. And so he didn't give me no answers. And so what happens? I'm like, all right, I know what it is, right? Because I heard this sermon, and the sermon says, hey, man, I need to get real with God. I need to get serious. I need to throw out every leaven in my house. And so what I do, I went home. I told my son, hey, we're getting rid of the Xbox. I told my wife, no more Netflix, no more TVs. We're putting the TVs up. No more. Like, we're just, we're just going to surround ourselves with God because we got to get right. Ain't that something? Ain't that something we got to get right when really what I'm saying is I got to prove to God that I can walk in this. Like I got to, I got to show God that I really, 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 really deserve this. Like that's what was in my mind. Right. And I know a lot of men of God that live like that. That's slavery guys. Okay. We do it because we love God and we do it because we honor God. We don't do it to get from God. Okay. So what happens? I throw everything out. Right, we throw out the Xbox. My son's crying. He doesn't know what's going on. He's too young. No more Netflix, no more TV, no more of that. But you know what? Pete's in his room praising God day and night on his face, right? Searching God out with everything that he has, like giving himself to God. Pete's up there having a good old time with God, and my whole family's falling apart. My whole family's falling apart. And meanwhile, I'm putting up videos from the past and kind of keep up this facade that I'm still walking in power. I'm trying to prove to people that I'm still this mighty man of God because I had these struggles in my past as a little kid, right? I always felt like I was never good enough. I always felt like nobody loved me. And so now people love me. Now people listen to me. Now people care about what I'm saying. And man, this feels good. And I never really addressed that. So now I'm like, man, I'm getting my identity from the miracles. I'm getting my identity from the moves of God, from the amens and the likes and the, and the shares and <clears throat> I got lost in that. I got lost in that quick. I started getting arrogant. Man, it was crazy. So what happens? I get burnt out. I got burnt out. Bad. And I had a friend come visit me. And uh, I was sad, man. I was in a hole. I was in a dark place. I wasn't happy. I was. I was hurt. I was sad. I felt abandoned by God. I felt like, Something was wrong with me. Like always, something was wrong with me. I'm the failure. I'm the guy who got straight F's who didn't know how to read and I was always picked last. And and so here it is. I'm here I am again. I didn't know my father, and my father died when I was seven. And here my father just abandoned me again. So this is the same story again. And that's where I was at. I was crying to God. The talks I would have with them, like, why are you doing this to me? Like, what? And I know a lot of Christians that are in there right now. And so this guy came to visit me, and I was woe was me and crying and hurt and sad, and I was just living a lie. You know, I was praising God one day, and then all of a sudden, I didn't have a reason to praise God anymore. Right. And so this friend of mine comes, and I just say, hey, man, I'm, I'm just tired, bro. I'm tired. And I, I just stopped reading my Bible. I stopped. Stop reading my Bible. I stopped going to church. I just crawled into a hole and crawled into a bottle. And anybody who knows that season knows I just started drinking a lot. I was drinking a lot. I did not care. I just started drinking, didn't care. I got around some people who love God, but 
didn't really serve God, but they could talk a good game. And so now I'm, I'm one of those guys and, oh, God loves me. And just using every excuse to drink, using every excuse to hit rock bottom, using every excuse, using God's love as, as a crutch instead of something to empower me, right? And so I'm sitting there and I'm drinking and my wife even asked me. Now, this was like, hear me out, guys. Imagine, like, I'm the guy who's traveling the world, laying hands on the sick, seeing miracles, praising God, and now I'm gonna, a guy who's drinking in a hole, crying, and, and, and so weak, defeated mentally and emotionally because I wasn't seeing miracles. Think about that. Because I wasn't seeing miracles. I was rock bottom because I was getting my identity from the miracles, right? So what happened? I just walked away, man. My wife asked me, are you backsliding? Are you backsliding? Like, what's going on with you? Like, I wasn't even preaching at the church that I planted. I wasn't even showing up anymore. I had the other pastor that literally the pastor that was preaching at the church that I started was bedridden for three years she couldn't walk for three years. I walked into her room in the name of Jesus and commanded her to get up. And she was instantly healed and stood to her feet and started preaching the gospel. This woman that was in that church now was seeing me abandon, abandoning the very thing, the very reality that had set her free. Give that some thought, man. The man who, who was playing the guitar who had his arm totally paralyzed. I prayed for him in the name of Jesus. He was instantly healed and was praising God. And everyone that I brought into the kingdom, I now turn my back on them and God because I wasn't seeing miracles. I couldn't get out of this hole, man. I was just stuck in this funk. I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake it. I tried everything. I just couldn't shake it. I was finding joy. In miracles, I was finding happiness in moves of God. I was finding this fake reality in these, like I was, I was addicted to these things. It was crazy, man. I was, man, I was getting my fix. I'm being serious. I'm being dead serious. I'm, I'm, I was addicted to the moves of God. I needed to have a fix. I needed to see it. I needed to feel it. I needed to have the goosebump. I needed, like, if I didn't have it, then, and so I was having withdrawals, man. I was having withdrawals. That's what that was. And what happened? I started hiding. I didn't even care. Man, people who've seen it, man. So here's where I'm getting at. So then one day, well, I'm driving to the liquor store. This is in Great Bend, Kansas, by the way, a town of 14,000 people. I'm driving to the liquor store with my friend. In fact, I wasn't driving because I couldn't drive because I'd been drinking a little too much. So my friend drives to the liquor stores on a Saturday. They don't serve alcohol on Sundays. And so I walk in. I don't walk in there, but he walks in there to get uh, some beer because Sunday they're going to be closed and we're going to be drinking. We're going to run out. And so he runs in there to get it. And I'm sitting there. We got my hoodie on so nobody could see me because, you know, if they saw me at the liquor store, Pastor Pete at the liquor store, what's he doing there, right? And he's a little drunk. Like, what's going on? And this, I'm being totally transparent here. I've had some falls. You have no idea. I've had some major spills. Praise God I've gotten up. My falls were major ones, not little ones. 
That's why I can preach the gospel. That's why I can tell you, hey, watch out. Hey, hey, don't do that. Hey, hey, I could tell you that because I've been through it. So what happened? I'm sitting there. He runs in. At this point, I don't even care about praying for people. I don't even care about reading my Bible. I don't even care. I'm, I'm more worldly than, than anybody else. I don't even care. This is months in. Months in. I'm like, whatever. This lady comes around the corner. She's a lady from the soup kitchen. She has a knee brace on and she's wearing and she's using crutches. And she looks right at me. And she says, Pastor Pete. Pastor Pete. <laughs> I'm thinking, my God. So I look up. And I say, yeah. She says, uh, what's going on? What you doing? And I'm like, nothing. She says, so you going to pray for me or what? She had a knee brace on. And it was sprinkly. And I was thinking, man. I really don't want to pray for it because nothing's going to happen. And um, I've been drinking, you know, And but if I don't, she ain't going to leave and just going to walk out and it's going to make me look crazier than what I look now. So guess what? I get out and I'm like, sure. So I put my hand on her knee and I'm looking at the door and all I'm thinking is, man, I hope this dude don't come out. I'm not even praying at this point. I'm just looking like, come on, man, please don't come out, dude. Don't just, man. I'm, I'm playing, I'm, I'm playing the role. I'm just playing the role. I'm just like, all I could think is don't come out, don't come out, don't come out. I'm just appeasing appeasing her. And he comes out. And he's like, Pete. And I'm like, oh, my God. So she looks at him. He has a beer. She looks at me. And I'm like, well, okay. Well, you know, I got to go. I see that. Hey, you know, take it easy. Getting in the car. Before I make it to the car, she starts crying. She starts praising God. She's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And she just kept saying that. And I felt this chill run down the back of my neck. Felt it move all the way down my spine, into my back, into the floor. I tried to make it to the door. My knees gave out. I hit my face on the car hood. I slid a little bit. I was going to go to my hands and knees. But something told me don't do it. Just get up. So I got up. I got in the car. I didn't want anything to do with her. She was crying. She was rubbing her legs. She was taking her brace off. She was all moving it. And I told dude, just go, man. Just go. And so he starts driving off. And then we're driving to my house. And I just keep telling myself, just don't say anything. Because I was on the verge of tears, man. I was about to start, start bawling. But I just held it together. Got to my house. I went down the hall. I went into the restroom. I shut the door. I grabbed the sink and just started crying like I had never cried before. I bawled so loud. And I remember telling God, what are you doing? Like, why are you messing with me? Like, why are you playing with me? Like, what are you doing? I don't get it. Like, what is going on? Like, why the games? Like, what is happening? Here's what happened. I understand now, okay? See, when you walk in the kingdom of God and you're being trained, God is going to show you his faithfulness. He's going to show you who he is through a vessel that is willing to submit to who he is. And he's going to show you his faithfulness. And he's going to show you how faithful he is to his word. 
And he's going to be there for you. And he's going to show you. He's going to take you by the hand. He's going to walk you through everything that you need to see. He's going to take you through the most amazing things. He's going to show you. He's going to show you a journey. He's going to show you all these things. He's going to show you everything of who he is. You're going to do that. But here's what he was doing to me. He said, I'm going to show you my faithfulness. You wanted it so bad. For two years, you cried. For two years, you begged. For two years, you wanted what it is you had. And I showed you my faithfulness. And I needed you to show me your faithfulness. And you know what? I failed that whole time. Because all he wanted to see was Peter's faithful to me. He's faithful to me. He's faithful to my word. He's faithful to the calling. No matter what happens, he's going to stay faithful. And you know what? I wasn't faithful. I failed. I failed miserably. I failed in a way that I would never fail like that in that area of my life as long as I live because I went through it. I went through failure, and it wasn't failure. It was training. The Lord was trying to show me that I was getting more out of what I was seeing instead of who he was in my life. My strength was not him. My strength was miracles. My strength was power. My strength was moves of God. Like this was what I was chasing. And what ended up happening is when I wasn't seeing it anymore, I turned my back on God and started blaming him for things that I wasn't seeing. Why are you doing this? Why? And he's like, no, I'm getting you to understand something. Whether you see it, whether you don't see it, who am I? Because if what you're not seeing can cause you to walk away from it, because of what you're not seeing, you could go drink because of what you're not seeing or what you're not experiencing. If what you're not experiencing can cause you to step off of who I am for you, we got to go back to the drawing board. In that day, and hear me out, guys, that's what God will do. He'll bring you to a season where he'll show you his faithfulness and then he'll just stop to see where you're at, to stop, to see who you are not that he doesn't know who you are but he wants you to recognize some stuff and you won't recognize it unless you go through it you have to go through that valley or you won't see it you won't be able to okay so here's what's crazy hear me out that day when i realized what happened i told the lord i was crying i told him this i said father I don't care if I ever see another miracle again. I will never question you. I will never doubt you again. Because I will refuse to question you. I will honor you. Children of God don't question God. They honor him. And I said, I'm going to honor you. And I said, I don't want to see a miracle. I don't even want to see it. I don't even care if I see it. Just as long as it's done in your name. However you want it done, that's on you. But give me the strength. To not rely on what I see. Give me the strength to rely on you in the midst of what I don't see. Blessed are those that don't see yet believe. I want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that knows when I walk off, you're faithful. I want to be the guy that walks off and knows that it's done. I want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that sees the 10 lepers and when the one comes back, I say, wasn't there 10 of you? Meaning I already knew you were all healed, but why is only one of you showing up? That's the person I want to be because that's who Jesus was and that's who Jesus is. And I need to learn to walk out that man of God, not the one who always wants to see, 
Not the one who's always trying to cause certain things to move and shift and this and that. And don't misunderstand me. It has its place. But that should never take the place of who Christ is for you. Ever. And that's what I'm trying to teach people by, by giving these testimonies. Guys, I went through heartaches, man. I've gone through struggles. You're going to fight the temptations to go in front of big crowds. You're going to fight temptations when people want to, to buy you out and, and do certain things with the message. Like You're going to fight that temptation, and you got to find out who you are in the midst of all that. Are you trying to please the crowds? Or are you trying to please your father? Because remember, the bigger the crowds, the bigger the crowds, that crowd, that big crowd you have, that big crowd you get, they're the ones that pick up stones later on when you say something that they don't agree with. And that's a fact. So it's the same people that say, Hosanna, Hosanna, the same people that say, crucify him, crucify him. So I tell God, I don't want a following like that. I want to follow you. So regardless of what happens, I'm going to be okay. And in the same way, guys, regardless of what happens, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And somebody had asked me a question on here. Um, yeah, I have a PayPal that I use. And yes, I have another one. It's a, I have a cash app as well. And for those who are asking, because I saw it on here, my cash app is dollar sign Pete Cabrera Jr. And it's all lowercase. So it's dollar sign P-E-T-E-C-A-B-R-E-R-A-J-R. -E and that's the cash app, in case you're wondering, because somebody had asked. And the cash app is the green one that has the uh, dollar sign on it. Interesting. So I only say that because you're asking, right? So guys, if you guys want to be a part of what it is that I'm doing, if you want to be a monthly sponsor, if you want to donate, go ahead. If you don't want to, either way, I'm going to be faithful to you. When I tell you these stories is because they've changed my life. I've gone through some stuff, guys. I've hit rock bottom. I've gone through some struggles, man. I've been run through the ringer. I've gone through some stuff. Man, I'm that guy who has gone through basically every ringer you could think of, and I'm still here proving that God is faithful. The enemy would love to take your falls and your mishaps and turn them into a failure, which means they would want you to prove God to be a liar, and he's not. Because when you fall on your face, you get up and you say, I get up because my God does not quit. And if I quit on my God, I will prove. I will prove that my God is not who he says he is for me. And I can't allow that. I have to prove to you that even in the midst of my circumstances, in the midst of my struggles, even if I fall on my face, I still have to stand up and honor God. Because I don't do it for you. I do it for him. And I tell everybody, no one can destroy your ministry when your ministry is him. No one can take your ministry when your ministry is him. No one. He is the ministry. You live for him. It's him. I've heard people tell me, hey, Pete, you know, people tell me, you know, I've destroyed your ministry. I destroyed your this. You cannot destroy the ministry because the ministry is him. You can't stop me from laying hands on the sick outside. You can't stop me from loving someone. You can't stop me. What you're saying is when it comes to a platform, when it comes to getting fans and fault, that's different, but I'm not chasing that. I'm chasing Jesus, my God. And no one can stop me from loving my neighbor. No one can stop you from loving your neighbor. No one can stop you from ministering to someone. No one, no one. So no one can destroy what God is doing in your life if it's for him. And so I give you these um, testimonies to encourage you and build you up that I've gone through it, guys. I was the guy that cried. And guys, Katie and I, we've gone through some stuff in our marriage. 
And we've had terrible times in our marriage. We've had times where we would yell and fight. And what? Pete, yell and fight? Yes, because we get frustrated and we get angry. We get in the flesh. And I teach about pepper and I teach about carnality. But it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It means that we know what it is. And we're all learning. And we're all growing. And we all have struggles. And we have things that we run into. But we need each other to hold each other accountable to bring each other into the presence of God together so we can raise his name up together. But we have issues like anybody else and things like that. And you're going to have amazing seasons. And you're going to have amazing times. And you're also going to have those low seasons in the valleys. And you're going to have the ups and downs. For me to tell you that you're not going to have ups and downs, I'd be lying to you. You're going to have them. Because life has its challenges. And I don't know if you know this or not, but men and women, they don't handle challenges the same. And so it's about coming together and you're going to have pressure and you're going to have certain things. And guys, this is the thing that I learned. If, if you learn anything, learn this. We think that happiness is something that somebody gives you. No one can give you happiness. No one. Did you know that everybody's committed? Well, excuse me. Everybody wants happiness, but not many are committed to happiness. Did you know happiness is a commitment? You have to commit to being happy. And no one can make you happy. You create your own happiness. Happiness isn't something that you receive. Happiness is something that you create. You either create happiness or you destroy happiness. That's it. You don't get happiness. No one can make you anything. You make yourself happy. Paul said, I think it's in Acts 26 too. He says, I think myself happy. You can think yourself happy. You could think yourself joyous. You could think this way. Think on these things. And I always think the positive towards my wife. I used to not always. I used to always just find every little thing to bicker about. Same with her. Little things that bothered us. And now we're like, hey, we're a team. We're a team, man. We got to work together. And I got to think of you a certain way. I got to see you a certain way. And I've been doing this with my wife lately. I've been speaking the word over her and bathing her with the word. And when we're watching TV or sitting together, I'm rubbing on her and speaking life over her. And you're beautiful and you're amazing and you're strong and you're everything I've ever wanted. And I'm constantly speaking that over her. Constantly. Constantly. I go make breakfast. I make coffee. I'm serving. I'm training, guys. I'm practicing. You have to practice this stuff. You have to practice being happy. You have to practice being joyous. You have to practice being loving. This stuff doesn't just happen. People think that you just accidentally run into this stuff. You don't accidentally run into anything. In the kingdom of God, you create your reality in Christ. And I want to create a reality of peace and love and joy and sustenance of all the fruit of the Spirit. And that can only happen through someone who's willing to submit. To that in Christ, if that makes sense. Wow, there's a lot to that. But I learned that. I learned that. You can create your own happiness. You can. So, yeah. Come on. Jesus is the real star. I'm just as hype. Come on, Jesus. In your face section with Pete Cabrera Jr. Oh, Jesus, baby. Yeah. Hey, guys, thank you for tuning in. I love you guys in the name of Jesus. I hope this helped you. Uh, Let me know if you want a certain teaching on certain things when it comes to the kingdom of God or laying hands on the sick. If you have any questions or anything like that, let me know. Share this with someone. Hit the like button. Give this to someone. If this has helped you, if you're in a valley right now where you're not seeing stuff or maybe you're searching that out, listen to this. I've gone through it. You're not the only one. 
You're not alone. We all do it together, guys. We all run through the valleys, and we all run through the highs and the lows, and we're all here for each other. So in the name of Jesus, I love you guys. www.royalfamilyinternational.com. I love you guys. If you guys want to partner, like I said before, the PayPal's right there, Pete Cabrera Jr. Ministries at yahoo.com. I love you guys.